0: In Silicon Valley, again, there is this theory that you just have to raise money, then burn, 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 then you raise again, then you burn, burn, burn again. Do you want to
1: impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. What's the number one problem all businesses face? It's not sales, marketing, or product market fit. It's hiring. We know just how hard it is, so we've compiled 25 hiring tips from top CEOs that I've interviewed here on Growth Everywhere and put it into a free resource just for you. Text 25TIPS to 33444 to get the free resource now. Again, it is 25 to number 25TIPS t i p s to 33444 and you'll get the free resource. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Growth Everywhere, where we interview entrepreneurs and bring you business and personal growth tips. Today, we have Ilya Semen of Datanize, which is a sales intelligence platform for over 200 high-powered sales teams. Ilya, how are you doing today? I'm good, Eric. Thanks. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for being on the show. So why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about you know, your background and how it led up to Datanize?
0: Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, so my, my, I'm, I'm an engineer. I'm, uh, I spent maybe, uh, seven years, uh, building web crawlers at, you know, different companies, big and small. And, uh, I really had a lot of passion for, for web crawlers, uh, you know, getting this information from the internet. I was fascinated by Google when they first started, um, you know, uh, many years ago. And, um, when I finally got a chance to build my own company, I thought that, you know, probably I should use my passion uh, because, um, you know, I asked myself a question, what can I do better than 99% of people? And naturally, web crawling came to mind as a, as a first uh, example. Um, so I started to look for ideas in, in kind of data space. I uh, picked up the name pretty quickly because I wanted to have data in the name, and uh, Datanize was uh, one of the domains that was available, and, and I instantly grabbed it. Um, and then I just started to talk to salespeople um, or um, marketing people. I definitely wanted to start a B2B business. I thought that B2B would be more predictable. And um, one of my friends uh, worked at a company called Kissmetrics. And he introduced me to their VP of sales, and I pitched this idea to him, and he was just blown away. He's, he thought that's a really cool idea, and um, I started to work on a prototype, and uh, Kissmetrics became my first customer. And then I started to approach more and more people, kind of uh, explaining the idea. And, um, you know, it just naturally, I guess, evolved into a bigger and bigger business, and... Um, you know, start to our more people and we are at 44 people today. So I'm pretty excited about this.
1: Awesome growth, man. So uh, how exactly does Datanize work?
0: Yeah, so we have, we actually have, we started with this just, uh, just simple idea of technology tracking. So uh, what, what exactly that means, I'll, I'll try to explain. Uh, just like Google, we crawl millions and millions of websites every day. But Google looks at different keywords, so when you type something in Google, they know where this keyword is located, which website. Uh, for us, it's a similar, similar concept, but instead of looking for keywords, we look for traces of technologies. Uh, we call them signatures. So when we see, uh, let's say, a piece of JavaScript or pixel on a website, we can tie this pixel to a particular uh, software w- vendor. And we know that this website is using this vendor because they have their code on the website. And uh, because we crawl daily, we can see these daily changes. So we can tell you, okay, which websites started this particular uh, web analytics tool or which companies dropped um, this particular marketing automation tool. So um, with this, it, it, it makes it a very good... Uh, sales intelligence um, I would say competitive intelligence platform for a lot of our customers uh, because they can uh, for example if somebody added their competitor they can reach out to them and say look seems like you're interested in this space you're looking for a solution why don't you try our solution and it's a perfect timing for them to send this kind of email Um, same with drops with drops that means that somebody's not happy with the product and uh, if it's your competitor uh, who they dropped uh, again? It's very good timing to reach out to them. So this is how we got started. You know, we were just focusing on technologies. Uh, it was our beachhead. Um, I, I hope people are familiar with this concept. But this is where we started. And um, after a couple of years, we started to add more things to this flow. Uh, we started to track, uh, uh, you know, different information about the companies. Um, For example, their revenue, employees, location, things like that. So let's say you want to get a list of all companies that are in specific territory uh, with specific revenue and they also use your competitor. You can come to Data Nice and you can get this list very easily. Um, And then we also started to think about different flows, how we can optimize the process for salespeople. Um, So we created a list builder tool that, allows you um, very quickly add people to a list, find their email addresses, and then potentially export it to your, to your CRM or any other tools that kind of help you deal with um, campaigns. Um, and just recently we released a predictive analytics tool that um, allows us to look at your current customer base and recommend other companies that look exactly like your current, com- uh, current customers but they're not in your CRM yet. So we find uh, companies that are very similar to your, your sweet spot, to your current customers. And um, we tested with, the, with about 10 beta customers. They're all very happy. So we're actively working on improving this product as well.
1: Got it. Okay, so is the beta version is that more of like uh would you say that's more like automated prospecting and then you have your you know your current version where people can manually prospect? Is that how it works?
0: Yeah, exactly. We try to so right now people or let's say two months ago people had to go and and kind of figure out okay wh- where's my sweet spot how like what kind of report do I want to create to find great prospects for for myself and we thought that actually it's it's probably not the best way to do that because if you give us our, your current customers, we can tell you what what your sweet spot is. In a lot of cases, people even don't know that, and uh, we can tell you. All right, it seems like uh, your current customers are mostly companies in the United States with you know this much revenue, um, this many employees, using this particular technology stack. This is very predictable, uh, or predictive, I should say, uh, attribute. And then, uh, based on you know our database, we can tell you right here is let's say 100 more companies that look exactly like you know, the same companies in your sweet spot. And from there, again, you can find the right uh, contacts at these companies, find their email addresses, and um, you know contact them and 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 offer your solution to them.
1: Awesome! That's incredible. Um... So, the can you talk about how can you talk about any numbers around the company's growth today?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, last year was a really uh, breakthrough year for us. Um, to give you, you know, a couple of examples, when we started two thousand fourteen, it was just me, and my co-founder Ben, and uh, by the end of the year, we had thirteen people. And our revenue growth was six times, so the revenue increased by six x uh, in 2014. Uh, since then, we started to grow even faster. Uh, like I said, right now we are at 43. So in 18 months, we went from two to 43 employees. Uh, we're going to be around 70 at the be- at the end of this year. Uh, I think that's the plan. We already moved uh, three times. <laughs> We uh <laughs> wow. it's funny we don't we don't want to sign a, uh, a more than one year lease anymore because every time we sign, we know that we're gonna we're gonna move pretty soon uh based on our experience so far, so uh changed our offices several times. Um, the number of users also grown exponentially right now uh, in terms of paying customers and um, pre-users uh, with paying customers, we just crossed three hundred three hundred customers. Uh, milestone. uh with free users uh we have a we have a browser extension that allows you to do a lot of these things for free actually it's called data nice insider uh so we launched it I think three months ago and we currently have about twelve thousand people using this free uh free plugin so I'm um, pretty excited about that as well of course um it kind of affected our infrastructure. <laughs> So we had to grow our our infrastructure to support this kind of uh, user growth. But um, so far, we've been pretty successful with that as well.
1: Yeah, that's incredible growth, man. So, I mean, you know, the the free version, what are people primarily using that for? I I guess, what's the difference?
0: Yeah, so with free version, you can go to any website. We can tell you which technologies uh, this website is using. Uh, We can tell you their revenue, uh, number of employees, uh, their social profiles. So let's say you're on the website. You want to see uh, their Crunchbase profile. Instead of going to Crunchbase and searching for this website, you can just click one button and we, we take you there. So again, it optimizes the flow for, for a sales or a sales development uh, person. And um, in addition to that, it also allows you to uh, get an email per- email address of any person you can find online. Uh, so let's say you go to About Us page on, on a website, and uh, you see, uh, let's say an executive you want to approach. All you have to do is highlight their name, right-click, and we'll we'll tell you their email address. Um, so again, it's all about simplifying this flow how salespeople work. Uh, with free version, there is uh, there is obviously there is some some limitations in terms of how many email addresses you can find. Um, but we're also we we if if somebody wants to upgrade, they just have to contact our salespeople right now, and then we. Uh, we work on, you know, uh, on increasing the credits or doing some other features that they, they might be interested in.
1: Got it. Okay, perfect. So uh, what do you think is really the number one driver for your growth in the last few years?
0: Well, I think, you know, as a small company, it's it's pretty obvious. We just hit the product market fit. It was it this intermediate product market fit. I think that's that was my focus from the beginning. I wanted to build something useful. And like I mentioned before, I, this, the reason why I started a company in B2B space um, is because you can really talk to people and figure out pretty easily what kind of problems they have. And if you can, if you can build a solution that uh, solves these problems really well, uh, you know you have a product market fit. And um, if it's a big enough problem that your, your solution can solve, you can charge uh, you know, a good amount of money for, for, the, for your solution. Um, so once you hit a, pr- a product-market fit, you just need to grow your sales team, uh, marketing team, um, you know, a product team as well to, to support this growth and, and, and new features and things like that. But I think the product-market fit was really crucial for us. We, we wanted to get to this product-market fit stage as, as early as possible. And of course, um, you know, it's not a uh, product market fit is you, you'll never achieve absolute product market fit. So we constantly try to ask our customers what else we can do to improve our value for them. Um, what kind of features they, they, they would like us to build and, um, almost all the features that they Nice they come from, from our customers. They ask us, why don't you guys do this? And we, we listen and uh, as soon as we get maybe five, 10 customers asking for the same feature, we just build it. And that's, that really helped us um, grow our revenue as well as the number of customers. Um, so I think, you know, product market fit and constant, constantly uh, iterating and constantly improving the product. That's, that's the biggest um, factor in terms of our growth.
1: Okay, and what was your method for determining product market fit? I know there's a few different ways to do it, but I'm curious to you know, hear what you guys did.
0: You mean in terms of how I know that we hit the product market fit? Yep. Yeah, I think um, you know, it's, it's when you start growing exponentially, right? So once you, have, once you can get maybe 15 20% growth of your revenue month over month, uh, you know that uh, you you hit this product market fit. Um, once you have, you know, for for example, usually first 10, 20 customers in B2B they come from either your connections or your friends or somebody introduced you to somebody. But then after you have 25, 30, maybe 50 customers, uh, it's it's pretty much it's there is no correlation. Um, you ha- you just have people. That come to you because they heard about you from somebody, or um, somehow they, you know, somebody recommended this to them. And once you have this kind of stage where you know, people come to you, they they kind of uh, they they want this solution. Um, you know that the product market fit is there, and you have to double down on your sales and start growing exponentially. So um, it's really you know it's really hard to identify the exact moment when it happens, but I think. You know, the easiest way to do that, in, in, at least in my space and B2B SaaS space, is to look at the number of customers and look at the revenue growth.
1: Got it. Okay. You know, tell us uh, this an interesting story, but tell us a story about you finding Ben as a co-founder. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, sure. So, like I said, uh, Ben was a, a VP of sales at Kissmetrics and uh i approached him with this idea it was just an idea and i said look ben you know i'm a first time entrepreneur i'm i'm working on my first product and here's the idea i came up with would you be willing to give me a feedback Uh, i i never asked for money nothing like that i just asked for feedback and he said sure you know let let's meet let's have a coffee so we met uh, with Ben and I showed him a you know just a prototype. It was, was really ugly version of data nice. It was not working at all. It was just you know, like was just some mock-ups or something. But I I pretended that it was actually working. So <laughs> he was he was really impressed and, and he said, Okay, how much?" like he was like, How much is it? And I was like, Ben, it's not I'm not selling this right now. I, I just wanted to get your feedback. He said well, you know what? Let me tell you a story. Uh, we just purchased a huge list from data.com and we're calling these people and 70% of, of the data in, in uh, there is just not accurate. And we're, we desperately need a solution to, to help our sales uh, grow. So I said, okay, let's why why don't we do a trial? We see how it works. And um, if you like it, we, we can talk about pricing. So they did a trial. They instantly they they were able to get really good prospects there. they were able to close I think their biggest deal um, with you know data that, that was coming from Data nice and Ben instantly knew that that this is it so i I asked him to to be my advisor and he agreed and we started to work together. Uh, he was giving me a lot of feedback and um, I tried to iterate based on his feedback a lot of early features that Data Nice came from directly from, from Ben. And, um, you know, it took me 18 months to convince him to, to come on board full time <laughs> because, um, uh, you know, I was growing slowly. I was getting maybe one, two customers a month. And, uh, it, it, it was a good month when, when, uh, when, when I had, when I had another, you know, extra customer. Uh, so it was hard for Ben to kind of, uh, leave his, his, uh, his great job as a VP of sales and join me, but, um, it took me 18 months. I convinced him and, uh, instead of being a, an advisor, he joined me as a, as a co-founder.
1: Interesting. So let's talk about that 18 months of growth. I think that's a, that's a fantastic story, but I'm more interested. It sounds very interesting about the, the 18 months of growth. I mean, what, what did that really look like? Did you just, you know, was there like little to no growth for the first three months? Like, can you just walk us through that?
0: Yeah, yeah, so uh it was interesting. Um I had no sales experience whatsoever, right? I was an engineer, I had no idea what I was doing. Uh but I like I said I wanted to get to this product market fit. So I started to approach people like Ben and I was like um look, I'm I'm a first-time entrepreneur. I'm I'm not looking for your money. I'm looking for your advice. Uh, I know you're an expert in this industry, Um, can we, uh, you know, can we have a coffee and uh, would love to hear your feedback on my idea. And I would would do like a quick, maybe one, two sentence kind of pitch about the idea. So um, by doing this, I was able to meet with a lot of great people and um, by just, you know, doing this soft pitch of, you know, give me your feedback. Um, I was able to get their, get their interest. They, they actually gave me a lot of great ideas, how to improve the product. And some of them were just like Ben, they told me pretty straightforward. They're like, how much does it cost? Like, I want to try it. I want to buy it for my, for my team. And, um, I, I didn't know, I didn't know how to price it. So first I priced it really low. It was, you know, $300 a month for unlimited users. Uh, that was a big mistake. I, I didn't know how much value that the, the the product could provide. So the pricing was really low, um, but at least it it I was able to get these early adopters, and um, I was able to also negotiate uh, the case studies out of them. So instead of charging them more money, I I'll just say, oh, all right, guys, you know, if you're successful, could you just write a quick case study for me? I'll put it on the website. So that people can see that I actually deliver some value. So um, it was growing really, really slowly. I think I was able to hit my um, previous level of salary uh, in six months. So in six months, I was making, I don't know, let's say $7,000 a month. And uh, this allowed me to you know, buy some food, uh, pay my rent. Uh, my wife was working, so that was that was kind of you know not a big issue. Um, I didn't want to raise money at all. I, I thought that um, you know Silicon Valley is just uh, this place where people just raise money and they congratulate themselves for raising money, not for building <laughs> great products. And I, I wanted I wanted to be uh, special, I guess. <laughs> So I, I intentionally stayed away from from raising money, and, and I was just focused on the, on the product instead. Um, and I think by you know by this uh, by the time when Ben joined me, I got to pretty good revenue. I, I think I was making maybe three hundred thousand dollars a year, um, and I was uh, it was way better than my, my salary, of course, be, before I started dating ice. and. Um, I decided that there are two ways to go about it. Either just keep it as a, as a lifestyle company or try to make something big out of that. And when Ben, when Ben joined me, I thought, well, you know, with the, with this team, we can really make it a big company. Um, so we started to grow
1: much faster. Wow. Okay. Incredible story, man. It's, it's so, well, sounds like you slogged it out and then now you have this great thing that just continues to grow. Um, yeah. What's interesting, okay, another thing that, that you that you just mentioned. So you, you said okay, data.com, you know, you said Ben said 70% of that data sucked, right? So yeah. my question to you is what percent of data nized data is accurate?
0: Yeah, it's 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 a really good question. So because so there, there are several piece, there there's several segments of data at data nized So number one segment is technology data. This is what we uh, this is our focus. There, nobody else in the world can do that better um the accuracy really depends on on a couple of things so for example there are some corner cases when people stop using um a particular product but they don't remove um this th- their code from their website and this is something we cannot um we cannot you know there is no way for us to know that they cancel their contract or anything so we will still say that they use this product and this is something that um uh, you know, there, there is, there is no way around this. So, uh, some, some things are missing. We, we estimate, uh, around 5% of of companies do that. Um, but which, you know, 95% of accuracy, it's, it's a, it's a really good result, especially compared to data.com. And then the second piece, um, which is email addresses, um what happens with data the data.com for example or jigsaw which is the same company um so they the way they 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 did it was uh this kind of crowdsourced um method where people would sell their contacts to get credits uh to spend on on other contacts right and in a lot of cases they would just put something uh that doesn't exist or maybe all the email addresses or whatever just to get this free credits and uh you know it's just not the right way to do that and 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 like i said 70 percent of this data is inaccurate versus data nice we we at data nice we actually do um uh, it's called smtp handshake so we we'll verify email addresses on the servers that it lists this email addresses exist That's the biggest problem. Like in, in a lot of this pro- legacy, we call them legacy providers. A lot of legacy providers just tell you the web, like they give you websites that don't even exist. Well, for us, we don't do that. We verify the email addresses on the server, um, and then the when it, inaccuracy can happen. And I'm being you know one hundred percent transparent here. Uh, it can happen when, for example, you have uh, people with the same names at the same company. So let's say uh, we have, uh, two, I don't know, mics at, at DataNize, nice. And one of them is Mike at data And another one is Mike Smith at dot So, and we know that Mike at dot email address exists, but we know, we don't know which Mike that is. Um, and, uh, of course, you know, the algorithm gets better. And, and once we, you know, we find more email addresses, we can make this predictions a little bit more accurate. But, um, in a lot of cases, what happens is that, uh, you might send email to, to, uh, to the wrong mic. Um, and this is, you know, comparing to everybody else in the industry, this is like the, <laughs> The smallest problem you can have when you try to get the list of email addresses.
1: Oh, wow. Well, I I think you're about to convince me to just sign up for this thing. Yeah, you should. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, you know, tell us about, I mean, you know, you you came, you know, your first time entrepreneur, you had, you know, you're a coder. Um, How did you switch between your programmer hat and your CEO hat?
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. Uh, even right now, people joke that I'm a CEO from Monday to Friday, and I'm a lead developer uh, from Saturday to Sunday. Uh, this is how I work. You know, my my passion is still you know building building cool things, and uh, the only time I can do it is is on the weekend. Uh, but um, you know, being a CEO is is a totally different. You you have to flex totally different muscles. Um, I think for me, it's it's um, it, it 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 comes naturally. Uh, in a lot of cases, in a lot of cases, it actually it's a it's a struggle for me to learn, uh, you know, how to deal with people instead of machines, uh, because machines are very predictable. You write a code, you run it. You know, if something is not working, uh, you know, the machine will tell you, okay, here's the error on, on this line in the, in this file. Whereas when you deal with people um you deal with a lot of emotions you deal with you know personal agendas and things like that so it took me a lot of time just to kind of um uh, you know figure out and and kind of uh, just make sure that i don't treat people the same way i treat machines right it's funny how i say that but uh basically you have to be very um you have to pay a lot of attention to emotions uh, you have to be a great manager when it comes to, you know, people's personal growth and um, their ambitious, ambitions and, and, and like what kind of things they want to do here. Um, so I really try to empower my employees to make sure that they have everything they need to to be successful. Um, they have an opportunity to grow uh, to a role where, you know, they see themselves in, in a couple of years. Um, we uh, set up very transparent processes Processes around how we promote uh, people, and everybody can see you know who is being promoted for what uh, things like that. People you know love this kind of transparency. So you um, know, I think obviously I'm not alone. I have a great executive team that helps me. Um, right now, I still manage the product team uh, with the, you know sales, marketing, customer success. Um, I only. I only, uh, interact with them or I only, they only need me when something, uh, is related to the product or, or there is a big issue with something. So I, I'll just jump right in and, and figure it out. But, uh, usually, you know, my, my VPs or, or ban my co-founder, they, they take care of, of a lot of things and this, this really helps me right now.
1: Got it. Okay. Now, I mean, you know. When you were first starting out as a CEO, I mean, were there any resources that you turned to, to kind of learn how to be a good CEO?
0: Yeah, I think, um, you know, there, there are a couple of books that I had to read to, to, to be better at this. Um, the number one book that I really enjoyed was a book by Ben Horowitz, um, hard things about hard things or great book. Yeah, um, I think that's the name of it. But um, you're correct. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's definitely a great book for any CEO. I think it's it's the number one book that I would recommend for for a CEO specifically. Um, but you know, in a lot of cases, um, especially if you're a CEO, there is uh, there is one thing that you can do to be a better to be a better CEO is just to come to work every day. Um, you know, focus on the issues. Uh, focus on the solutions and kind of try to figure out the best way to do that. And um, you can read all the books in the world, but nothing can replace a real experience. So, uh, you know, if you want to be a CEO and and you're thinking about, you know, what kind of things I can do to to uh, to become a CEO, well, my 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 answer would be just to to start a company. This is how you learn. And you know, if you're successful. Um, you're successful. If if you're not successful, you have to learn from this. You have to uh, adjust along the way and and maybe try to make uh, less mistakes as you go. Uh, But, you know, this particular job, uh, it's really, you know, it's really hard to to kind of get advice or read something in the books. Um, You just have to go and do that.
1: Couldn't agree more. Was there at any point in time where the company was on the brink of failure?
0: I wouldn't say a brink of failure, but there were a couple of times when I was still alone and I was just, uh, you know, just was frustrated and I didn't want to continue. Uh, I remember when uh, I got my first customer that canceled the contract. Uh, that was, that was this kind of situation. I, I was just so frustrated. I was like, oh my God, this is not working. Uh, this idea sucks. I should just quit it right now. Um, so I just spent like three days by the pool, just doing nothing, just, you know, chilling. And uh, I was thinking about other ideas. Um, and, um, you know, it, it was just hard, you know, to get this first churn customer. Um so that was the the thing when when I just had to like take a break, maybe uh, uh switch from just from doing something related to daily nice and just um take a couple of days off. Uh but then I was like, well look, instead of just me focusing on the negative, let let me figure out why they churned and how I can make the product better so I don't have this churn anymore. So I really, it was really hard for me. They didn't want to talk to me, but I finally got them on the phone. They explained to me what they were upset about, why they canceled. And uh, after that, I spent maybe two weeks just working so hard to make sure that this particular problem is fixed. And it was a tough problem. It was a really tough problem to solve, but I spent a lot of time solving that and it kind of uh, you know allowed me you know t- instead of uh, just quitting and uh, kind of giving up on my idea, I actually made the product better, which in turn helped me get more customers uh, and make my current customers more successful uh, but that was that was probably the closest uh, to you know me uh, qu- quitting on data nice other than that um, i mean my my whole theory is that um, you know, a lot of startups go of business because they just run out of money, uh, right? And in Silicon Valley, again, there is this theory that you just have to raise money, then burn, 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 then you raise again, then you burn, burn, burn again. And when you have this, I still call it bootstrap DNA. We still have this bootstrap DNA where you focus on, on, on revenue first and burning money second. Um, it allows you to really uh, kind of, uh, have your finances in in a good shape so we're you know we're profitable uh, like well i don't know if you call it profitable when, when you're not making this this much money but i can say we're we're profitable from day one and uh when we raised money we we're profitable and we're still right now after you, after we raised money of course we started to, to spend a little bit more but uh, at the same time we never had this idea is that like if we don't raise money we're going to go out of business. Uh, we're still pretty conservative when our with our uh cash flow and we're still like I said, we still have this bootstrap DNA that that allows us to um to have uh, this positive cash flow, but at the same at the same time we're growing uh pretty fast. So that this is not an issue for us in
1: terms of growth. Awesome, man. So the the dark period that you had to go through where data nines almost died. I mean, how long did that phase last?
0: Well, was I would say you know these three days or this three days were pretty pretty tough for me, but then again like I I, I got this customer or churn customer on the phone and after that I just focused on the, on on uh, getting the product to a better, to you know to a better state, and uh, I, I was so focused on my work that um, you know I, I didn't want to think about quitting anymore. So I would say this this just three days that that was really. Tough period for me, but after that that was that was fine.
1: Interesting. So was it really the three days or was there a period of time leading up to the three days?
0: Not really. When they canceled, that was like it was a bummer. You know, I was like, oh my god, they canceled. It's you know, the sky has fallen. Uh I should quit. Um so this is this is when this three-day period started. And it it, it ended when I actually got on the phone I talked to them I realized that I can actually fix this problem and this is when, when I really started to work and you know if you if you work, work really hard you focus on the code and you kind of in the zone you don't have time to to worry about uh the company going out of business or anything like that you just uh you just in the zone and you 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 do what you do best you do you do the coding so this is what I try to focus on
1: Got it. Okay. What's one piece of advice you'd give to your 21-year-old self?
0: <laughs> That's a good question. Um, you know, when I was 20, I, 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 the, that was the first time when I uh, came to the United States. And uh, it was just uh, a summer program. I spent three months uh, being a lifeguard. And uh I think that the advice I would give to myself is just try to move to the United States as early as possible, because after that, it took me four more years to actually move to the United States, and you know these four years were not super productive for me. I actually you know almost everything i I kind of achieved in in life, you know uh, it, it 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 happened here in the United States. So um, I wish I could just accelerate this process a little bit, but I'd move into the United States a little bit better, uh, a little bit faster. Um, But there are some other issues, uh, but I think that would be my advice to my 20-year-old self.
1: Awesome. How do you structure your day?
0: Um, So I'm a morning person. I'm I'm definitely an an early bird. I I wake up. um, I eat breakfast. I think breakfast is very important. Um, first part of the day, I tried to do, um, complicated things that things that require a lot of brain processing and, uh, it could be working on a particular technical problem or figuring out, you know, some, some company stuff that, you know, maybe, um, you know, working on the product page or a uh, new market marketing strategy, something like this um then i then i have lunch after lunch I'm, I'm i'm definitely less productive this is when i try to schedule all my meetings um when i don't have to think as hard and uh um you know maybe i i would sit on a demo with one of my account executives to understand uh you know if if uh, a prospect um is is interested or they need some more so i can take their feedback and and uh, kind of uh, to, the, to the product with my product team. Um, then I usually, I have uh, dinner around six, uh, come back to work. Um, right now I have a four-month-old son that takes pretty much the rest of my day. Uh, but before he was born, I was still working on, on a couple of things after dinner and then I'd read a book before I go to sleep or me and my wife could watch a, a movie or something and uh, just to calm down and maybe stop, stop thinking about dating eyes. Otherwise I have a really hard time falling asleep. So uh, I'm trying to kind of switch to something else before I go to sleep.
1: Awesome, man. What's the best way for people to find you online?
0: Yeah, it's uh so I have a, I have, Obviously, LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, Twitter just uh, at iSemmon. Um I have a personal blog. Uh, it's just my first name, last name, iliasemmon.com. I read uh, I, I write some of the stories of my life or uh, some of the things that I'm passionate about over there. Um, and data that's that's my baby. Um D-A-T-A-N-Y-Z.com. Uh, this is what I live and breathe every day.
1: Awesome, man. Everyone, this is Ilya Semen from data nice. Make sure you check it out. It's been, you know, a lot of sales teams, a lot of sales, top sales people have been talking about it. You make sure you check it out. So you don't have to deal with the 70% fail, rate With data.com. Ilya, Thanks so much for joining us again. All right. Thanks. Thanks Eric. Thanks a lot. What's the number one problem all businesses face. It's not sales marketing or product market fit. It's hiring. We know just how hard it is, so we've compiled 25 hiring tips from top CEOs that I've interviewed here on Growth Everywhere and put it into a free resource just for you. Text 25TIPS to 33444 to get the free resource now. Again, it is 25, to number 25TIPS, T-I-P-S, to 33444, and you'll get the free resource.